audiences of the podcast world, I hope you are ready to get script in this podcast, Jim, because you are listening to the Script Apart podcast. I've got bad movie ideas, I've got bad movie scripts, and I've got great guests who are here to perform complete blind reads of said movies. Join us as we venture into the unknown and attempt to make cinema out of the sinful. I am your host, as usual, Neil Bonsteel, and I am joined by two other people who are scripting right out of their right out of their 1990s tank tops. We've got Chris Barrett. I'm so horny, I'm gonna melt like a Nazi in that Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. Very hot. And we have Johnny Donaldson. Just Donaldson. I'm not horny at all. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining me tonight in this mini episode. I just had an itching to record something. Oh, wait, that, this is part of the conversation I'm supposed to be having. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining me tonight on this mini-episode. Do you want to what? start over? No. Well, I'm right. glad to be here, Neil. All right. Why don't we have a conversation about this? Stick to the script. <laughs> I don't have a script. <laughs> exactly. I want to say, I watched the movie Q, The Winged Serpent, last week. Someone in this room hates it, but I loved it. Have Are, are we aware of this Is it about film? like when uh, Q from Star Trek wants to be a dragon for an episode? Yes. Yes. And then they, they, then he like makes out with a dragon from uh, Dragonheart? Yeah, so you have seen this. Oh, okay. oh, no, no, that's the uh, but this... director's cut. Oh. what a... And it's the second Dragonheart dragon, so it's a dragon. Really it's not even the Sean Connery one. No. Wait, did you... Oh, I thought you said Dragonheart. You should really look at the CG on the second Dragonheart. Oh, I have. There's a fart joke in it. Oh, really? Like, he's trying to breathe fire, and he just uh, farts just... fire instead. That was my phone. Go oh, I thought there. you farted as you were talking about <laughs> I was like, that's like meta. It sounds like a... Yeah. I ate something a long time ago. Is this vaudeville? Like, you know, you're just... So what happens when you start with Adam Sandler? <laughs> this part of the conversation is staying in. Yeah. No, uh, David Carradine is trying to hunt down and kill a, a winged serpent in New York City. Mm. I I have seen it. I actually love it. Um, I actually you. love the director and have met the director. Oh, really? Or more to the point, I almost walked into the director. That's but... just as good. That makes you friends instantly. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're to the fun, so we're like yeah. this. You can't see him on the podcast, but we're like this. That's a very obscene gesture. Yeah, he just like nice. basically. I think you're more than everybody. Yeah, here. I think you're more than friends at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just, but we're just friends. How are me? All my friends. Get your hand out of my ass. No. <laughs> okay, you guys want to play a game? Sure. All right, this is a new game. There's no winners, no mm. losers. Well, Except maybe not. Winners. Yeah. Uh, this movie, this game is called Steven Seagal in. <laughs> There's this action movie title generator on phrasegenerator.com, naturally, right? And so what's going to happen is I'm going to give you a randomly titled movie, and you have to tell me what it is starring Steven Seagal. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! Ready? Steven Seagal. Okay, you are getting. Chris, <laughs> you have Fist of Domination. <laughs> Take that wherever you want. All right. In a post-apocalyptic future, Steven Seagal meets his match in the great David Carradine 
fresh off the training from his master Kenshiro, he learns the art of deep penetration <laughs> that can only be achieved through um, half-assed Aikido and uh, whipping people with your ponytail and, of course, uh, running like a lunatic. And um, David Carradine ends up uh, achieving the ultimate level when he strangles himself. <laughs> And becomes a, 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 like near godlike in status, um, like a Jedi of sorts, if you will. <laughs> and uh, he saves a village of illiterate, um, syphilitic children oh. in the process. And <laughs> you're gonna be okay. Every word is a dagger. <laughs> and. He has a singing porcupine as a friend. Okay, all right. That makes a lot of sense. And Fist of Domination starts Stephen Seagal. There's also a lot of fisting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, take us to the water. Steven Seagal in Terminal Trouble. <sighs> Steven Seagal is a lonely baggage clerk at a small at a town airport. When terrorists come and take it over, he's the one man who can fight them off in his own Die Hard 2. It is Terminal... Whatever you said. Oh, okay, uh... uh... I almost said cancer. No, it's just trouble. Terminal Trouble, starring Steven Seagal. Oh, with featuring a cameo by Tom Hanks. Yeah. See, I would have gone like he's Tom Hanks, but everyone who questions why he's living here just snaps their neck. And he has like a body count. <laughs> that's, that's what Tom Hanks does, so oh, it's a little too close to right. reality. I didn't see that. That's a documentary at that point. Mm. I have Steven Seagal in Infinite Set. In Infinite assassination. <laughs> How do you kill a man who can't be killed? A god of old from Greek legend, who is now the uh, uh, the leader of the Greek mafia that Steven Seagal must take down. Nice. Only way you can kill him: infinite assassination. <laughs> and he's got a plucky sidekick who's played by Rob Schneider, who's playing a, a Greek a Greek uh, bellboy. Who greets uh, Steven Seagal as soon as he checks into his Greek hotel? The Schneiderman. Yeah. <laughs> Schneiderino. Schneiderman. Oh my God. Uh, but but he takes down Hades. Yeah. Right. Schneiderman just like there's that side battle. There's always that side battle. that somehow Schneider takes down. Well, it's not Rob Schneider. Who takes down Hades. I'm sorry. Rob, Rob Schneider. Schneider. Rob Schneider is the Robin to Steven Seagal's Batman, basically. Yeah. What's sub Robin? Like, like in terms Robin of as a superhero. Like, <laughs> like, like if <laughs> you know uh, Robin's a sub. <laughs> yeah, if Robin had the the the, the underling that he abused, like like uh, I don't know, a dirty rag he kicked around. So no, I guess not. Oddly <laughs> enough, I saw this clip of Rob Schneider talking about Steven Seagal. Really? Yeah, and he said, uh, he, "This was his quote. <clears throat> he was talking about." 
something Steven Seagal said on a set of one of his movies. He said, uh, I just read the greatest script ever written. And Rob Schneider is like, oh yeah, who wrote it? I did. <laughs> I don't remember what the context was. But, was but it what he... that movie was, it was too good to be made. Battle of Payback. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal walks the Wild West and his partner, a talking cactus named Philip, are out to get all the money stolen from orphans in the last five years held by one man, Johnny Donaldson, and his sidekick, a Microwave. I don't know. Anyway, can we can we go back? To what? <laughs> I can't think of anything. I'm sorry. You you hit you nailed Battle of Payback. He's been okay. Here's what it is. Okay. What? <clears throat> It's actually, actually, he's just looking to get back $5 that his friend owes him. That's right. He's looking for his payback. Just lent to him to buy a couple of, uh, I don't know, chocolate bars or something. He is like, kind of doesn't take care of himself too well. Anyways. I feel like I botched these last two. No, you got it. You had a talking cactus. I spit out my beer. Did you not see that? Huh. <laughs> it was <laughs> actual spit take. Yeah, yeah. Alright. How about Steven Seagal in Duke of Revenge? Steven Seagal is a British lord who loses everything to a villainous, corrupt king. Nice. Nice. Teaming with a fairy princess and a dragon, he goes... <laughs> To okay. get everything that he lost, and he will take this whole kingdom down. It's Steven Seagal, John Rhys Davies, mm-hmm. and Viggo Mortensen in Duke of Revenge. Nice. 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 I've been given war for death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'll pass. It's too. Is that redundant? It's a little redundant. War for death. Or is it wharf as in the start? Wharf or death? Wharf, wharf of death? Wharf or death with a wharf from Star Trek. I like these crossovers. Uh, Stephen Seagal in sudden risk when his family is taken hostage by a mastermind the city has never seen before. His only means of getting them back is to best this evildoer in a game of risk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Watch Steven Seagal conquest, conquer all of Asia with a small force and a handful of dice in sudden risk. The Ukraine is weak. <laughs> Do you really think the Ukraine is weak, Mr. Seagal? Do you really think you can hold Australia for five rounds? I think I can sit here as long as I like. I can hold Asia for four rounds. Sudden risk. Sounds like you two are flirting. Well, we might. We are like, you know, like hitting third base under the table, just letting you know. Yeah, that was fun. We all win. 
How about like one um, more just so like I, okay, I have okay, like okay, maybe one we'll like shitty that. one that I'm like could you replace I'm actually having fun with this. Yeah, <laughs> me too, but I feel like I could do better and I'm like nah. Alright, Chris. Okay. And this is this is for all the Seagal beans. Uh let's see. Oh, 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 I'm gonna go back to one. Double extremism. Double extremism? <laughs> yeah. The next president of the United States can't decide if he's a communist or a hard right-wing conservative. He also knows Aikido and hoards <laughs> lots of fancy guitars that he sucks at playing. He is double extremist. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that works, that works. That Close works, enough, because you erased one of my lousy ones with that mediocre one. <laughs> Play your music again. Right. <clears throat> oh yeah, that rocks. That's almost like Steven Seagal music. You Ooh, know? baby, that's rocking. It's a little more musical. <laughs> it's music cool. Uh. Okay, guys. Um, I'm just going to ask you, who wants to play Willy Wonka and who wants to play Charlie Bucket? Hmm. He should do Willy Wonka. I guess I'll do Willy Wonka. I didn't prepare like he told me to. Oh, darn it. Well, it's just going to hurt you more. It's going to make this more entertaining. Yeah. <clears throat> Interior of hospital room, night. We see a large hospital room, sterile and white, fit with a single bed where lies Willy, despondent, weary and old. Beside him, on his bedside table, sits a mountain of get-well gift baskets that have been picked dry, overflowing with candy wrappers. Willie looks longingly out the partially open window blinds to a brilliant, glowing full moon. He reaches to the basket and brushes aside a card that reads, Get well, Willie, and picks up a tiny bottle of chocolate milk. The seal is broken, and the bottle is empty. He peers around the table for another, but sees nothing. He picks up the call button and pushes it. He waits a moment. Eyes fixated on the closed door. He pushes the button again. Nurse! Nothing still. Nurse! Chocolate milk, please! He taps a button repeatedly. After a moment, he drops it meekly. Dreaded thing has gone booch the pooch! Hum. With nothing else to do, Willie lies there, taking in the ceiling. Suddenly, the handle turns and the door opens. Oh, good, nurse! I've been fretting your left for the evening. The figure entering is not the nurse, however. It's Charlie, attired in a no-nonsense business suit and carrying a suitcase. He closes, closes the door behind him. Mr. Wonka. Oh, Charlie. Charlie, my boy. What a sight. Come in, please. I wish I could have come sooner, Mr. Wonka. Oh, Charlie, Charlie. Just Willie. In these trying times, Willie will do if you please. Certainly. And apologies, Willie. How are they treating you? Well, the schnozberries don't exactly taste like schnozberries, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Here, eat, ease your bones, please. Wonka gestures to a chair next to his bed. Absent-mindedly, Charlie sits in a chair against the wall. As I'm sure you know, it is often rather difficult to switch mindsets in and out of the factory, which has required so much of my attention as of late since... since... Wonka raises his eyebrows inquisitively. The board has 
put some measures to a vote and... Oh, tut tut, my boy. Not another word. If you come to ease this old candy mongers nougat center, you're doing a poor, poor job of it. You are very correct. Sincerest apologies. Had I known that some days there's no shutting down the factory in the mind, I would have braced myself better. Perhaps... But here I am. Wonka wags his finger. Now, now, there's no shutting down the factory. Would you, could you, turn a valve, shut on the everlasting flow of magic? No, of course not. Never. Our magic is candy, and our candy is the magic so many dream upon. But... Wonka taps the bedside seat again. Please come closer, Charlie. Charlie realizes the awkward distance between them. Right, of course. Charlie reseats himself next to Wonka's bed. Wonka puts a hand on Charlie's wrist. He looks into Charlie's shy eyes. Charlie, I know. You, you do? Yes, I always have. I... Mr. Wonka... The strain, my boy! These gifts to mankind are no trivial thing. My heart is run with the passage of sweet jellies. My veins spread like the kazoozle candy rope unwound. Turn the valve and turn yourself. We are sweets outside in and dreams everlasting. Charlie has his head lowered. Wonka pats his wrist with sympathy. It is like Sisyphus, but the boulder is a bonbon. I know too well, the candy man's burden. After a sympathetic beat, Wonka smiles devilishly. Which is why we need a little magic ourselves. So tell me, did you bring... Charlie snaps too. Oh yes, I hadn't forgot your instructions. Charlie unlatches his briefcase. From it, he pulls a glass pane and a tightly wound bag of white powder pickled with multicolored speckles. Ah, that's the theurgy my break seeks, my beak seeks. It's fresh from the labs. We've been working tirelessly to tackle the optimum tickle, which has been ever elusive. Charlie puts some powder on the glass and cuts a line with a thin Wonka bar. Wonka lowers his nose to the pane. For it is not ungodly to pertain of your own efforts. Besides, nose most... Knows most best. Charlie looks away as Wonka snorts the line of sugar before throwing his head back. His eyes slowly open, and he looks around curiously, as though waiting on something to happen. What he did, turns to Charlie. What did you use in this? Uh, the usual, sir. More, maybe more bees for sting, but... It's not the bees. Maybe it spent too much time in the plumbonatron. Wrong! Wrong! Do not test me, Bucket. We've... We've had to outsource our confectioner sugar production overseas to Guatemala to keep our overhead... Oh, Charlie! An obvious repercussion when you have caved to the demands of the Oompa Loompas. Now the union has you by the gummy worms. Times have changed. Forced labor is frowned upon. And now who's the slave? I shudder to wonder what else has soured in my absence. The decisions I make are... Cease these flimsy whimsicals. You reap what you sow, boy. All this will be cleared up as soon as I get out of here. I will fix it all. Very good, Mr. Wonka. Now clear this away. I shan't want another sniff of this foul power. Shoo! Yes, Mr. Wonka. Right away, sir. Wonka pushes the glass plate away off his lap. Charlie gathers it and stashes it away in his briefcase. Now do this old sweet tooth a favor and open the blinds, will you? Charlie approaches the window and adjusts the cord to turn the blinds open. Wonka can now see, can now see the moon standing bold and powerful, his eyes glass over. Look at that magnificent slice of sky. 
Remember what the nincompoops in Parliament used to think about the moon? That it was made of cheese? Yes, and we proved them fools, didn't we? We took that glass elevator to the night sky. We showed them what they could never imagine. That it was made out of light chocolate? And what an adventure that was! We showed those vermicious kids who was who. Do you remember those carefree days? When a boy's faith is in the fanciful was all the sustenance he would need. But now the white chocolate mines are running scarce. We've had to dig deeper and the moon men are fearing their lives. Last week's cave-in cost our workforce... Oh, Charlie, there you go again. When you let these things fetch your mind, they fester your judgment and fluster the soul. Let it rest. Impossible. Charlie stares into the moon as though a reflection of his own sallow face. You of all should know, chocolate never sleeps. Wonka's eyes narrow, fixated on Charlie. Right now the sun is rising in Berlin. Yeah. In a few hours, the citizens will be waking and preparing for work. The trams will shuttle them to their offices, storefronts, mills, persistently punctual as they are. Charlie pulls some folded papers from his jacket's inner pocket, but keeps them hidden. The dawn will see the gates unsealed at Wunderchok's new factory. Don't start, Charlie. It covers 100 acres with no telling how deep the vaults run. Please, Charlie, no. The pure production capacity is unprecedented. I will not speak of this now, Charlie. Charlie turns around quickly, holding up the folded papers. He is shaking and, shaking and on the brink of tears. Charles. My name is Charles Bucket. He unfolds a paper, revealing they're covered in thick legalese with signatures on the bottom. Time is running out. Every moment we hesitate brings us closer to demise. Wonka squints, trying to discern the contents of the papers. What is that? Is that? Is this merger talk again? Those honey-tongued lawyers really have laid out a deal your sweet tooth couldn't resist, hmm? This is our best strategy. Poppycock, a fool's folly. The rest of the board agrees. All are missing your signature. Never in a zepto million years. This is my company now. You chose me to see Wonka into the future. And I have decided this is our future. Your future is the death of Wonka and everything I have stood for. I always had my doubts, but now it's become crystal clear my golden ticket has was placed in the wrong child's hands. It is too much. The tears burst from Charlie's eyes. He turns back to the window, leaning up against it as his last means of support. Oh, Charlie. Charlie, my boy. Don't, don't cry. Now cease that salty discharge immediately. It is unbecoming of a sweets man, which you are, but... Charlie doesn't respond. I didn't know. I couldn't have foreseen the pressure a candy fortune could have on a precious child. Now I see. It was too great. I never meant to turn you into this. It was my mistake, not yours. You are my fault. Charlie wipes away his tears, finally ceasing. Do you remember who I was? The boy you first met? I do. With such clarity, I do. A tussle-haired spirit in ragged clothes, just brimming with life, with hope, with... Happiness, though he had nothing. The only thing he loved above family was chocolate. Above all else, nothing else mattered. Do you still see that boy before you? Wonka hesitates. No, not anymore. Perhaps I do not resemble that child, but all else holds true. Wonka sighs heavily. I'm sorry, but I've decided. When all this... He gestures to the entire room. 
is done when, when I will make the necessary changes. It is now only my burden. I will relinquish your inheritance of the Wonka estate and responsibilities. I will release you. I free you, Charlie, to be the child you once were. Charlie turns back to Wonka. The tears are starting to well again. Now don't be cross with me. We know what must be done. Charlie just nods. You have my apologies. All 1,001. Truly, this is for the best. What was that song? The first one I heard you sing? Wonka thinks, and then brightens up when he remembers. Oh yes, is it? Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. That's the one. Again, please. Charlie stows the paper and walks towards the bed. Come, Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Charlie is beside Wonka's bedside. Wonka beams up to him, putting a hand on Charlie's wrist again. Charlie struggles with a sad, quivering smile. Take a look, and you'll see into your imagination. Charlie grabs a nearby pillow. He lifts it over Wonka's head. We'll begin with a spin, traveling in... Charlie, what are you doing? Charlie lowers the pillow on Wonka's face. The world of my creation! Charlie, no! Charlie smothers Wonka's face with the pillow. Wonka struggles, grabbing feebly onto Charlie's arms. What we'll see will defy explanation. <laughs> if you want to view paradise... Wonka's defiant screams are muffled whimpers. His arms flail, attempting to push Charlie away. Charlie, his tighted hair falling over his red-veined face, doubles his efforts. The heart monitor beeps rapidly. Simply look around and view it. Wonka's voice peers out. The heart monitor halts to an abrupt, sustained tone. His outstretched arms fall limp, hanging off the bedside. Charlie slowly relieves the pillow from Wonka's face. The once vibrant chocolate mogul is a vacant-eyed body. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. Charlie drops the pillow. He walks to the window again, looks to the moon for a beat before pulling out a chocolate flip phone. He dials the number, shakes the phone which emits a music box sound, and puts it to his ear. It's Bucket. The deed is done. The candy is wrapped. Yes. First thing when the market's open. Very good. He closes the phone. Charlie takes one final look out the window to the moon before closing the blinds. He leaves the room without a second glance to Wonka. Cut two. Interior. Office. Continuous. Ronald McDonald sits behind his neon splatter desk, cigar smoke swirling in the dim lamplight. He has a hamburger phone to his ear. He nods before placing the phone down. He takes a quick drag on his cigar. <laughs> it is a big world now! <laughs> he presses out the cigar. <laughs> Not the dramatic uh, <laughs> punctuation I was hoping for, but that's McDonald for you. Brilliant. <laughs> Interesting. That's uh, Willy Wonka 2, colon, Chocolate Never Sleeps. Have I ever told you guys my theory about Willy Wonka? No. That is actually one of the first slasher films. Oh. They die, one at a time. Oh. It's a bunch of young people mm -hmm. going into a remote location. And we hate them all. And hate them all. Who are getting killed one by one for their sins, which is most slasher films, sex and drugs and stuff, but in mm -hmm. a kid's film, it's 
gluttony and greed and sloth and whatnot. I can see that, yeah. All being killed off one by one by a killer in a very strange costume. So it wouldn't be the first slasher film. Because it's 1960. I refuse to well, believe that Grandpa Psycho? Joe was the virgin. Okay. Charlie? Oh, right. Clearly. Charlie. <laughs> Wait. What? Charlie, the blonde hair. I was a good man. child who... I submit to you that Charlie is guilty of lust. A chocolate loving freak. No, he's a good kid. What am I saying? That's why he survives towards the end. Yeah. I'll buy it. Now, will you buy tickets to Willy Wonka 2? Chocolate never hmm. sleeps. It would be a whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I'd like to imagine. Willie actually survives and goes back well, for revenge. Oh, I kind of would like to see Charlie like redeem himself and slay like Ronald McDonald in the end. Or Charlie's haunted by the vengeful ghost of Willy Wonka. Yeah, that would make sense. Sweet dreams. Maybe uh, come with maybe me. Maybe he dies, and but he will see me in a world of pure imagination. So he just dies, but he comes back as a blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> I see. I okay. I like how this. I originally thought of it as like one of those like mafia movies, the rise to power, the uh, the killing off the old guard. I can see that. The bad deal with Ronald McDonald. But a horror film works too. <laughs> Why can't it be both? Oh, that would be neat. A Why can't it be a horror every, movie? Yeah. The, the god ghosts show up. The Godfather meets the ring with Willy Wonka. Oh. And enough product times to really set Popeye's packing. And the ring is a ring pop. Uh, sorry. Uh, that's, that's not so good. You have to give this ring pop to someone else to look in seven days. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> Willy Wonka comes back as a ghost. A booberry. A booberry. Does he just like haunt uh, Charlie during the day or when he sleeps? Because I like that little sweet dreams bit. Um, I think he's taking out taking out everyone one by one with Charlie as the last. Uh, he's almost like a Freddy Krueger finger figure, but as a booberry, you know. But he does haunt Charlie, like taunts him at night. Freddy. Kruger fingers from Fist of it Domination. Could be, it should be cool if, like, the Booberry was, like, trying to get Charlie to, like, redeem himself, you know, in the end. So now it's not, like, a Christmas story. Christmas story. Uh, and he could... It's a tale of two Christmases. Uh, uh, Christmas Carol, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. actually to Melons and Santa Claus. Right. Three. Willy Wonka in War for Surrender. Come on. Infinite War. prejudice. <laughs> Infinite prejudice. <laughs> Willy Wonka in Fist of Destruction. <laughs> Fist of Fist Steven Seagal is Willy Wonka. Ah, uh, Fist of Retribution. These are these are looping. <laughs> these are looping. Do one more. Okay, 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 okay. Willy Wonka in Master of Death. <laughs> there you go. That's a I guess they're just very, very open-ended, like, simple titles. Oh, okay, okay. That's a Steven Seagal one right there. Right, sorry. Okay, tight. <laughs> All right, before we shut down, any shout-outs? Shout-outs? 
Chris, you got a website you want to promote? Like artwork? Instagram.com slash action missiles? Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. Chris does good art. I draw sometimes. Yeah, uh, just follow me at, at Johnny Donaldson at uh, Twitter and check out some of my writings at dailygrindhouse.com. Also, I have a film I was in on Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime, called Most Likely. Johnny's doing things. So Not well, but I'm doing them. You got presents. You got presents, baby. So thanks, guys. But also, <clears throat> oh, let's do this. Uh, audio trailer music and mixed by Brian Bonsteel. The intro outro song is Artie Shaw's Rocking Chair. Thank you, guys. And a huge thank you to East Hampton Media for providing the equipment to record this podcast. They are a generous and worthwhile organization, so check them out. I am Neil Bonsteel at Mayor McFrumples on Twitter. Email us at scriptapartpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. And we hope your screenplays never get script apart. forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. What happened? He lived happily ever after. Now it's not Charlie. If you got the sweets, it means you've got the power. You tell me this is all mine? Hey, this, I could get used to. If you got the power, everyone wants a piece of it. Like a pie, right? The Snozberry formula. Hand it over, bucket. You don't share the pie with anyone. So you do what you've got to do. Jesus Christ, go! You want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do whatever it takes. Candy mogul Willy Wonka. The world, as a result, has gotten just a little less sweet today. As stated in his will, complete control of the company goes to golden ticket winner, Mr. Charlie Bucket. Charlie Bucket. Let it be known, I take my responsibilities very seriously. And, <clears throat> and moving forward, there's <clears throat> going to be big, big changes to what? Oh. This interview is over. Charlie, Charlie, talk to me. What's wrong? It's like, it's like he's in my head still. Hey, Charlie. Wonka, damn it. Ah, who's there? Come with me. I said, who's there? And you Show yourself.